Pride. It's the promotion of the self-affirmation, dignity, equality, and increased visibility of LGBTQ people as a social group, a time to celebrate diversity. But there has been a cloud hanging over the LGBTQ community, one that has threatened the very existence of that community's members. And it's a cloud that's being dissipated, city by city in Canada. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. You know, let's talk with an expert on conversion therapy that multiple governments have been consulting with on this issue. Dr. Christopher Wells is the Associate Professor and Canada Research Chair for the Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth at McEwen University in Edmonton. Uh, Welcome and happy Pride, Dr. Wells. Happy Pride. Nice to be here. Right. So uh, June is Pride Month. It's been a little overshadowed by this uh, coronavirus pandemic, but wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, some significant changes that are that are especially affecting uh, Alberta's pride community, LGBTQ community in the last year. And that's that a number of cities, towns have passed uh, conversion therapy bans in their bylaws. And the most recent one w- was Calgary. Um, wondering if you being uh, in, in contact with that community uh, pretty frequently, uh, I, I imagine um, have, have kind of followed their reaction to these various conversion therapy bans that have been passed. What has been the reaction in the community? What's like it, after each one of these has passed, what's, what's been the reaction? What's the thoughts? I think uh, relief um, and uh, celebration are the two sort of uh, um, reactions that we hear. Um, I think uh, a lot of people um, rightly believe this is a long time in the making. Um, glad that uh, those protections are in place. But at the same time, um, I think it's been a wake-up call to many people within the LGBTQ plus uh, community and beyond and uh, to allies that there are still people out there that believe conversion therapy is a legitimate practice and that uh, LGBTQ uh, people um, need to be changed in order to gain um, acceptance and love within uh, various communities. So... um, uh, I think uh, the city councils uh, and municipalities that have moved forward on conversion therapy prohibition legislation are to be commended for um, putting the best interests of their communities first by protecting some of their most vulnerable members and making a very important statement, a statement that we think about during Pride Month, about celebrating, supporting, affirming the LGBTQ community members but um, people uh, need to feel safe and supported all year round. And so I think that's why these kinds of uh, conversion therapy bans are really important um, because they're about creating welcoming, inclusive, safe, and respectful uh, communities all 365 days of the year. So Chris, what's the history of conversion therapy in Canada? Sure, conversion therapy has a long uh, history in Canada. In the past, it has ranges uh, from practices including things like electric shock therapy to lobotomy, chemical castration, um, was often performed by medical professionals as a way to quote-unquote cure homosexuality. And uh, today, uh, the more modern forms of conversion therapy involve things like talk therapy or aversion therapy, um, regression role play, gender coaching, and even things uh, as extreme as uh, exorcisms that still happen. 
And, and what underlies conversion therapy, all of the different kinds of practices and techniques, is this anti-LGBTQ ideology that inherently there's something sinful, immoral, or pathological with being a lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender person. Therefore, you have to be changed in order to be, quote-unquote, normal or to gain uh, acceptance in your family, your community, or uh, in your faith. So that argument would, to me, necessitate that there is that it's a choice uh, to be any number of the, the what the LGBTQ community uh, represents or, or is, is is constructed of. What does the scientific research say about whether or not being non cisgender, non heterosexual, a choice? So uh, we we often uh, consider someone's uh, sexual orientation or gender identity what's called an immutable characteristic of person. Um, we don't exactly know what causes someone to be gay or lesbian or uh, transgender. Um, and what we do know is very complex. Um, and so um, also what we know is that um, no one should be uh, changed. The problem is not being an LGBTQ person. The problem is a hostile or discriminatory or prejudiced society or environment that you find yourself uh, within. So it's rather than trying to change individuals, what you want to do is help them to come to terms with their identity, um, develop positive coping strategies and, and mechanisms to overcome internalized homophobia, internalized uh, transphobia. You know, uh, ultimately in society, we'd like to get to the place where it doesn't matter. No one needs to come out and declare themselves as, uh, you know, non-heterosexual or as transgender because it just simply doesn't matter. We understand and we respect the diversity of humanity and the fact that sexuality and gender are, are um, in every part uh, of our world around us and are just a, a natural and normal facet of what it means to be part of this great uh, planet that we all live on, where we really celebrate diversity as a strength, not as something that we're afraid of and that we attack because we don't understand or we don't know. You mentioned that in the history of these various practices, some practices obviously leave a long-lasting effect. If it's lobotomies, castration, electrotherapy, what is the damage that can be done to individuals as a result of these modern practices? Sure, there's, uh, there's no credible research that uh, supports the effectiveness of conversion therapy. Um, it's called uh, a pseudo-scientific practice because it's, it's uh, not backed by uh, any evidence. It's, in fact, uh, fraudulent, it's uh, deceptive, and it's dangerous. It can have uh, lifelong impacts on individuals, including uh, depression, uh, uh, self-hatred, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, issues uh, even ranging from uh, self-harm to uh, suicide. Uh, we know that uh, listening to many survivors, um, the effects can uh, last uh, with them for a lifetime. Um, many consider conversion th therapy to be tantamount to a form of psychological torture. Uh, because of what it does to an individual. And I think that's why really we're starting to see governments across the world uh, begin to take action against uh, conversion therapy because it's quite simply not supported by science and it's known to cause great harm. And really no one should have to change who they are to find uh, love and acceptance uh, in their community. Now, one of these recent bans that got national attention was the one in Calgary. I know that Calgary's 
history with the LGBTQ community is fraught to say the least. Uh, I think it's there's really no downplaying the, the kind of persecution that the LGBTQ community has received in Calgary. I'm wondering wondering what it what it means to kind of the history of pride movement in Canada writ large that Calgary decided to pass this ban. What is that? What kind of message does that send? I think it was a huge victory, um, and. Um, uh, I think uh, it also taught us a lot, um, particularly given the two days of public uh, testimony where there were many uh, individuals who came out and said very uh, homophobic, uh, transphobic things in the name of freedom of speech and, and so-called uh, freedom of uh, religion and tried uh, every maneuver or tactic to prevent this uh, legislation from being passed by city council, but it was passed overwhelmingly so, 14 to uh, 1, I believe, was the, the final vote. And we heard city councillors talk about how important this uh, legislation was, not only uh, symbolically, but um, towards protecting members of the LGBT community from something that can uh, um, be called nothing else than uh, blatant uh, discrimination uh, and prejudice. So uh, I think uh, Calgary was a battleground and a battleground that is setting the stage for the national uh, legislation that is before the House of Commons, Bill C-8, that would uh, criminalize the practice of uh, conversion therapy um, and various other aspects such as advertising conversion therapy all across uh, Canada. And um, that's an important step. As we know, all levels of government should be taking action to protect um, their uh, community members and, and citizens. So it's uh, really important that we see bans at the municipal level, um, at the provincial level, and at the federal level, because each level of government has different powers and jurisdictions. And uh, that's going to be the most uh, comprehensive approach um, we, we can have in place that will really serve to hopefully once and for all eradicate conversion therapy from occurring uh, anywhere in the country. You use the term battleground for Calgary. Why was Calgary such a battleground? Well, Calgary is the first uh, city in southern uh, Alberta to pass conversion therapy prohibition legislation. Um, and we know uh, Alberta is uh, uh, smack in the middle of Canada's Bible Belt. And um, it's often been said that uh, Calgary uh, is the buckle of that uh, belt, um, where there are a lot of um, um, uh, religious and faith communities that um, uh, are not supportive of uh, LGBT uh, Q a community. These are many of the same groups that were opposed to the legalization of same-sex marriage. And so um, it's not surprising, perhaps, to uh, see the backlash that uh, occurred in Calgary. If Calgary was, was such a contentious uh, geographical area, southern Alberta such a contentious geographical area for these issues, I'm wondering if you can characterize or kind of give me a, 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 an overview of where conversion therapy uh, prohibitions bans are at in the rest of the country? Like, are there areas that, that have really robust legislation? Or are there other areas that are lacking? Right. So, um, you know, the cities have really taken the lead on this, and they've uh, produced the most uh, comprehensive uh, legislation in Canada. And indeed, Calgary's legislation, um, we could argue, is uh, perhaps the most uh, comprehensive conversion therapy prohibition legislation in the world because it protects all people, regardless of age, from these abusive practices, and it uh, prevents any group from uh, uh, practicing or advertising these practices. So that doesn't just include uh, doctors or counselors, but um, uh, community groups, uh, nonprofits, uh, churches, 
uh, faith communities, cultural communities. Basically, it says that uh, no one should be allowed to advertise or practice conversion therapy, no matter uh, whom it targets. And so that's exactly the kind of legislation we want to see. Uh, uh, At the provincial level, most of the legislation, there are three provinces, Ontario, um, Prince Edward Island, and Nova Scotia, that uh, have conversion therapy prohibition legislation, but that only focuses on uh, what's called uh, regulated uh, healthcare uh, professionals. So, you know, within hospitals, medical codes, billing, insurance, um, things like that. And, and importantly, uh, all of that legislation only impacts minors. So it leaves particularly young adults, 18 to 30, um, uh, exposed and vulnerable to conversion therapy practices. Uh, Likewise, uh, New Brunswick and the Yukon have now uh, introduced legislation uh, within uh, their healthcare uh, system to uh, prohibit uh, conversion therapy from occurring. So uh, basically, um, uh, well, that's in progress. We have five of of, uh, 13 uh, provinces and territories that uh, hopefully will soon have uh, legislation in place, but that still leaves uh, the majority of the country at the provincial and territorial level uh, without anything, uh, you know, particularly notable in Alberta. And I think that's why you've seen the rise of municipalities when the provincial government uh, has no plans to take action and has said as much, then it's up to municipalities to step forward and uh, do what they think is in the best interest of uh, their citizens and their safety. It's fair to say that it's still very early on in the process for provinces, municipalities, and obviously the federal government for these legislations. The next step becomes enforcement. What are the challenges and enforcement that you see coming for this legislation? The legislation is just the first step, and some would argue not even the most important step. That Perhaps the most important step is the education piece that needs to follow. Um, talking about, again, educating people about what uh, is entailed by conversion therapy, um, that conversion therapy happens in a variety of different uh, forms, but at its premise, it starts with uh, an an anti-LGBTQ ideology, a belief that there is something uh, wrong or unacceptable um, or unnatural with being an LGBTQ person. Therefore, Uh, They must be changed or must suppress or deny or hide who they are in order to gain um, acceptance uh, within uh, their families uh, for young people um, or in their faith or cultural uh, communities. So um, if you don't believe LGBTQ people are disordered or wrong or sinful, then uh, you wouldn't be engaging in conversion therapy because there would be nothing to change, right? There's Fundamentally, the message is there's nothing wrong with being an LGBTQ person in Canadian society. You're normal and beautiful just the way you are. You don't need to change. It's the prejudice and the discrimination and the homophobia and the transphobia that need to change, right? So it's not the individual that's the problem. It's the structures and the systems that are the problem. Uh, that promote inequality, that promote violence and prejudice. Um, So, you know, that's really what we need to be looking at. But you're right, this is a relatively um, new issue uh, in public consciousness, although conversion therapy has been happening for a long time. Only in 2018 was uh, Vancouver, the first municipality um, to uh, pass conversion therapy prohibition legislation, and Ontario was the first province in 2015. So, um, you know, uh, well, uh, we're seeing traction, we're seeing a lot of attention paid to 
conversion therapy right now in Canada, and rightly so. It's uh, certainly not too late for municipalities and other provinces or territories to, um, you know, uh, think about legislation and uh, think about um, acting in the best interests of protecting, uh, you know, their their citizens or their residents. So, um, you know, this is an issue certainly that is uh, gaining momentum around the world. We see now 20 states, uh, 20 out of 50 in the U.S. that have conversion therapy prohibition legislation. Uh, and as mentioned previously, we're seeing uh, many uh, countries, national governments also begin to, uh, to take action. So, um, yeah, so, sorry, your question about uh, enforcement. Uh, so certainly uh, enforcement, uh, not only is education going to be important, but um, uh, ensuring that people know how to report is going to be important. So at the municipal level, I understand Calgary is working on um, uh, an education package to accompany its uh, bylaw. But uh, generally, um, you know, with the, uh, any law, it's complaint driven. So if you feel that you've been uh, subjected to uh, conversion therapy, you would file a complaint. So let's give the example, you're a resident in Calgary, you would file a, a complaint to the bylaw department, there would be an investigation, they would see if there is uh, enough uh, evidence to support the laying of a charge. And then, um, you know, like with anything, there's the opportunity uh, for an appeal kind of uh, process. And the same would happen if uh, federal legislation uh, were to be passed. You would go to the police service and they would look at, um, is there enough evidence to file a criminal charge? And then uh, that uh, criminal uh, um, process would take place, often involving, of course, um, the uh, courts. Um, and um, there would be uh, then a trial and a judgment, uh, a decision would be made um, as to whether the person was guilty or not guilty of the alleged uh, offense. Having followed the, the Calgary conversion therapy uh, bylaw vote and, and some of the discussion leading up to that, a lot of religious groups, not just um, you know, the Christian church, but religious groups across uh, the board expressed concern about this bylaw. I'm wondering if during your research, if you have talked with religious groups, be they churches, mosques, etc., religious leaders, and if you've come to an understanding of, of how somebody can be a person of faith, but also uh, be against conversion therapy and support uh, LGBTQ people. Absolutely. It's, it's quite simple. You uh, love people for who they are. You don't believe that they need to be fixed or changed to gain um, uh, acceptance or to gain entrance to uh, uh, heaven or whatever your your beliefs happen to uh, uh, be, right? It's about affirmation, it's about acceptance, it's about celebrating the diversity that exists in our world and, um, you know, welcoming people as they are. Um, and I think what was quite remarkable about what happened in Calgary is you saw an unprecedented fashion, faith leaders um, send a letter to city council, um, I believe over 40, who were united to say conversion therapy has no place in our faith. It's uh, the antithesis of what we believe faith should be about. In fact, that uh, we need to love and support and accept and affirm people for who they are. And that was across denominations. And I think that was absolutely critical to show that um, not all faith uh, communities, in fact, the majority of them do not support conversion therapy and believe that it is unethical and harmful and uh, inappropriate um, within uh, any faith-based context. So 
Um, I think that that's a real key message because too often we see this as being pitted as faith communities against the LGBTQ community, right? In this irreconcilable difference. Well, in fact, many faith communities and many faith leaders absolutely welcome and support LGBTQ community members. And I think uh, that's also what's particularly strong in Calgary is they have a strong affirming uh, network of uh, churches and congregations that um, work hard to send that message of love and support to LGBTQ community members, many who felt that they've had to turn away from their faith and turn away from their communities um, to um, feel safe and to feel loved. And um, uh, this message is really important to say, you know, your faith and your identity don't have to be separate right? They can be, both can be fully embraced and accepted, and you can be loved uh, for who you are. And I think that's probably one of the most powerful messages we can say to anyone is, um, uh, I love you for who you are. I will always love you. You don't need to change. You can always come to me and talk openly. Um, and I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to love you. Yeah. And the idea that love is, as you said, almost universal across various faiths. And it's so important, right? Like when we, we, we have to talk about, you know, the research that's out there that still shows us that, you know, LGBTQ people are one of the three most targeted groups for hate crimes in Canada. And of all the hate crimes committed, they're often the most violent in nature. We're not talking about one stab wound. We're talking about 40 stab wounds. We're talking about people are not even seen as people, as humans, but as objects to be destroyed. That's the level of hate. Um, you know, we're, we're still right now, and rightfully so, uh, finally talking about issues of racism, right? Well, it's often been said, you know, racism, sexism, and homophobia all go hand in hand, right? It's about attacking and hating the other because they're different than you. And where difference is something to be feared instead of something to be celebrated and embraced. So, you know, we're, we're having a powerful reckoning uh, in our society uh, when it comes to issues of racism, when it comes to issues of sexism, homophobia, and transphobia um, and these are really important conversations that we should be having because hate is a learned value no one is born with hate in their heart hate is something that is taught to people prejudice is something that is taught to people and so you know perhaps we can be optimistic and hopeful if hate is something that is learned it is also something that can be unlearned and that's where this important these dialogues that we're having the protests that are being held why we have Pride Month and Pride Parades and festivals to begin with, right? We always like to remind people, Pride was born out of protest. It was born out of persecution, it was born out of the struggle for rights and respect and visibility. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest acts for any LGBTQ person is to come out and be visible and be visible in your family, be visible in your faith community, be visible uh, in society. Because, you know, one of the best ways to and most effective ways to reduce prejudice and discrimination is by simply getting to know a, the other person who is different than you, right? Is that common humanity showing that despite, you know, our sexual orientation, despite our gender identity, despite our race, despite our sex, we're the same. We're all humans, right? We're all on this planet together. Um, and it's our differences that should unite us rather than separate us. Dr. Wells, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And, and we hope that everyone will get out there and, uh, you know, uh, educate themselves. If conversion therapy is new to you as a topic, um, talking about issues of racism, talking about issues of sexism, 
all of these issues are linked together, right? Um, so the best thing we can go out and do is have conversations. This is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you soon.